0: Hello everyone and welcome to episode 112 of the F1 show for coverage of the Monaco Grand Prix in Monaco. I'm Robin Warner
1: and I am Jim Lau and believe it or not, you and I are uh, face-to-face back for the first time in three episodes. Uh, We are actually in the same place at the same time and are able to bring a show to you that way. And we are wearing the same shirt, so we really went for it this time. The top of the heap, always awesome (laughs) F1 show t-shirt. But yeah, we've got, um, I mean it's Monaco. Um, It's been quite a weekend of racing. Uh, Of course, it's a Memorial Day weekend here. It's a holiday weekend for everyone in the U.S. And we've got the Indy 500, which has come and gone. The Coca-Cola 600 for NASCAR, which is probably happening now. And you can tell how closely we're following that. Could be over. Um, Go team. uh, You know, which, of course, each one is very big races in their own series. Uh, And then Monaco for F1, arguably... The
0: crown jewel of the Formula One World Championship.
1: Yes, and all the other things that have been said about the Monaco race. <laughs> how, you know, it's, it's throwing down a tire gamble at the Monaco Casino oh, and this goodness, strategy yes. of the whatever. Yeah, but uh, the point is, it's, it's, the, it's the craziest track to ever to hold an F1 race, but it's so great that they still do it. It's and,
0: fantastic. It's a lovely place.
1: Yes. Um, do you have much... Um, News since the last deal and all that? I mean, we've it's sort of been a little crazy this weekend with... Uh...
0: Yeah, I mean, there's plenty of news. It's just personal. <laughs> it's not Formula One related. I mean, there certainly has been some news about, oh, who's feeling fast. I guess the biggest thing, actually, that we should talk about is Massa. Ferrari itself did finally uh, crack the whip a little bit and say Massa needs to improve... Or there's going to be a problem, and you know that it came out. We expect Massa to improve at Monaco, as much as
1: you know. Some of these teams cracked the whip. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't like, hey, if he doesn't perform in three races, you know, get some kind of you know. There's no finite anything. It was like, yes, we expect more from Massa. Which,
0: but I mean, once, at, I mean, the something. team's always been saying we support Massa. Massa's great. Everything else. This was this was I think pivotal, pivotal in the sense that. Um, you know, the team itself is starting to say, yeah, he's not performing up to the standards that we expect. And in my mind, that means that he's in pretty dire straits for the team to publicly say it.
1: Yeah, and it remains to be seen whether it's dire enough straits to actually fire him and get someone else in the car. Um, and, mid-season, you mean. Yeah, mid-season, which yeah. is a pretty big uh, pretty big deal. Um, it, uh, you know... There's been another sort of round of interviews of people saying, "Oh, Sergio Perez, you're going to move to Ferrari, right?" And he's saying, "No, I'm going to stay at Sauber." Yeah. Just like I said the last time, everyone asked me this. Right. You know I think there's a lot that goes on, especially almost
0: every interview we heard from uh, from Perez asked him that question. There's one where that wasn't brought up, but yeah, we'll, we'll talk. We'll, we'll get, get to that, to that later.
1: Uh, but I think Monaco has, especially the whole week in Monaco, uh, you know, lots of deals are done. It's all the the ritziest of of you know investors and and all the you know.
0: Uh, lots of meetings lots of, on money, lots of yachts. yes
1: lots of meetings on yachts a lot of those kind of things so i think uh you know probably that was on everyone's mind of oh if, if you know ferrari just said Massa's is no good anymore and and you know blah 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 but um you know Massa was able to uh to, to able to answer those calls a little bit in the race and we'll, we'll talk about that when we get there so yes. um, overall that's for the moment not uh not a really developing story anymore that's uh you know ferrari has you know they did finally kind of say that to the press but uh it doesn't seem like that's going to be something that they're going to take action on as of right now. But we are actually, what, a quarter of the way into the F1 season? I mean, after six rounds out of 20, so we've just passed our, the quarter of the way through. Yes. Um, already been pretty nuts in terms of the season uh, and in terms of, you know, our coverage of it as well. Uh, yes. Like several transatlantic races, race coverage right. uh, episodes and whatnot. and uh, And, you know, we still have... It's months and months away, but the U.S. Grand Prix in Texas uh, this year. Uh, you know, we've got Canada coming up next uh, two weeks from ta- from now. You know, we're back ah, on our time an zone, race for us. All yeah. kinds of cool stuff. Lovely. Yeah, so there's there's still so much to be done, and yet it already seems like it's been kind of a crazy season, and that we've already seen a lot. So it's you know still fun in that well, regard, and there's there's a lot to look forward to.
0: It's crazy, and at the same time, it almost feels like it hasn't it hasn't gotten into a rhythm yet, right? Like usually the Formula One, there's a couple of races that kind of Oh, that was kind of an outlier or whatever. And then it kind of settles into a rhythm and you start kind of sorting out, okay, who are the championship contenders uh, for the season? This one, there's like that chaos is still there. Like there's still the tension of, okay, when is this season going to settle down? Yeah. And in a way, it's great. In a a small way, I'm kind of like, yeah, but what's going on? You know, like it's a little bit chaotic, but, you know, 95% of the chaos is, is great. Yes. Yeah, it's a little kind of
1: this musical chairs, right? It's just like who is going to happen to be leading the world championship by just whatever stroke of luck when all of a sudden we get to the last race of the season. Like, I think it's really the the consistency that's going to matter and we're going to... We're going to talk about all yeah, that. Yeah, well, definitely. But, we have to, of course. Uh, you want to start with qualifying, then. We had a couple of interesting revelations in qualifying, um, not the least of which was a coming together, to put it mildly, between Pastor Maldonado and Sergio Perez in Q1. Yes. That, according to Pastor Maldonado, was he was having a problem with oversteer and overcorrected from that and ended up steering into kind of uh, this chop across the front, if you will, or kind of like cutting off uh, Sergio Perez. Um, which was just enough that uh, Sergio says it damaged his car and it caused him to have a crash later on. Uh, but Checo um, Perez has not yet had the best time at Monaco. No. If we recall last year in his Formula 1 debut at Monaco, had a big, big crash into the barrier uh, coming out, the, out of the tunnel and down the hill and uh, through the Nouvelle Chicane and uh, just... Did not make it through the chicane, had a very big crash, and then Which, actually had to set out that that race weekend and the following in Canada. And the
0: following one, and it was a bad enough crash that they actually altered the track for this year, moved back that um, that big crash barrier, cut trees down the whole deal to give more space, and they also put in a very high aggregate, uh, very high friction concrete yeah. to attempt to slow the cars down more. So, uh, yeah, it was a serious accident. And then, then this time in qualifying, just you know, didn't put in an official time either. Yeah,
1: and at this time, his crash wasn't anything spectacular, but it was just, you know, the car slid slightly enough. It was enough to bend one of the wheels and kind of break off the suspension and then just, to, you know, the car crashed. But it meant that Sergio was the odd man out in Q1 and then all the other usual suspects. Um, but Q2... Which was... All,
0: which I Actually, I want to talk about that for two seconds. Yeah. It was, it was interesting to me because there was still somewhat, it seemed, of a panic to for some of the not the fastest but kind of the mid pack teams to get on the super soft tires and get another lap in where I was really surprised because all the teams knew that Sergio was out but I there there seemed to be enough of a threat that like Michael Schumacher for example actually had to go out and do a last minute run because they were concerned that uh that uh, a Katerina Co-
1: Kovalainen may just jump into break Q2. in there yeah. and, and and yeah knock somebody out there uh, and yeah, it didn't end up being the case because these guys were able to go back out and do their runs. Uh, I didn't look closely enough at the times to see if that was yeah. necessary or not. But yeah, that was that was interesting when they were. You know, usually when there's one guy out um, in in Q1, it's like okay, well, all the rest of the bottom six are going to be the you know are, that's going to be it for Q1, and we don't really have to worry about it. But yeah, it was enough of a, enough of a pace, and everyone um, well within the 107 percent time and everything. So it really is. Uh, a great equalizer of you know the b- performance of the cars and the aerodynamics and where the money gets spent and all that um you know it uh, doesn't i won't say that's just thrown out the window that obviously still matters but um it is a much bigger equalizer in terms of just drivers um where even the uh, slowest qualifying time in the rain car with a one um, one minute 19.3 was still well within you know 1.3 seconds within the 107 yeah. percent time not even like right close and even you know uh his teammate Pedro De La Rosa with a 118 flat, you know, so well within the uh, the time. So it was definitely a much closer qualifying for Q1. And, uh, you know, it would be great to see uh, the, the bottom, the backmarkers move up. And, uh, you know, I still call them the new teams, you know, the three-year-old set of teams, <laughs> the Caterham, Marussia, right. and HRTs, uh, you know, move up and finally get
0: some points and whatever. But um, still qualifying still, and out in Q1. Still out in Q1. Still none of them scored any points yet either. Um, but, yeah, Q2 q two um, I think the big story
1: is that Jensen Button did not advance past q two right um, the strs we 've been talking about kind of have shown some flashes of brilliance, but in this case we 're sixteenth and seventeenth at the very bottom of the heap in q two mm-hmm. um, and with ahead of them Paul DeResta, Bruno Senna, but Jensen Button in the Mclaren with, you know McLaren of this year, which has looked so good and, and been on pole a couple of times with Ham- Hamilton 's hands and whatnot. Um, it just has not come together for him. It's another race where just he, you know, there's not a particular problem with the car. He just says it just doesn't have the pace. It just it understeers and it oversteers and it just isn't working for him. Right. right. And it's disappointing. Um, but I mean, man, if we're going to get on Massa when he's down for for having you know the same machinery as his teammate who's doing much better, um, and as much of you know as we like Button and all that, it's like, what's going on?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, everyone that listens to this show on a regular basis knows that I'm a huge Button fan. His pace was pathetic and he didn't he didn't even he didn't have any answers either. He felt like yeah, the car's no good and it's not working for me right now and he was honest, but you can't say much more than that. Of course, obviously the big difference between him and Massa is the length of time. This has been an issue. Uh Jensen Button already has a race win under his belt for this year. So you can't blame the guy too much, but you definitely hope that something gets sorted out sooner or later for for him. But it's really hard to tell. You know, it doesn't seem like McLaren has the fastest car anymore. And so Jensen it might have to work some of his setup magic a little bit better and really get in that zone again because, you know, even, you know, jumping ahead to the race for a moment, you know, he tried an alternate race strategy, he did nothing for him. So I think he's really gonna have to step up his game and work a little bit harder. Uh, that was uh, disappointing for sure. The other thing, too, that's been kind of crazy to me is, uh, you know, Bruno Senna. Maldonado's been just amazing to watch because he's so hot and cold. Yeah. And it seems like when he's on, he's really freaking quick. and uh, But he can't quite control himself. He's like a puppy. You know what I mean? He's still like... Running into kitchen cabinets and stuff can't quite hit you know (laughs) get that control like he needs and uh, uh, Bruno seems to be more mature and able to keep the car under him stuff like that but he's also slow so I don't know if that speaks to the Williams car and the fact that Bruno could only manage manage to qualify qualify 14th or if that speaks to Bruno Senna as a driver as being consistent but just not terribly quick
1: or if both of those are overshadowed by the tire performance, which makes such a big difference on, you know, unpredictable track temperatures and things like that. I mean, that's a factor, but you would think it would affect both of them equally or, you know, affect both the cars equally. And I guess how able they are to deal with it is a big difference between the drivers. But uh, yeah, that is another pretty big difference with Pastor making it through to Q3. And uh, yeah, like I say, Senna out in uh, in 14th spot. Um, And I guess we should mention, um, those positions I'm reading off are before uh, penalties and yes. things yes. being awarded, so we'll talk about that in a second. These are not grid positions, per se. But um, I guess speaking of before penalties, um, I might as well you know, let you yeah. know. Yeah, say it. Do
0: Michael it. Michael Schumacher. That was awesome.
1: Old man Schumacher. That was awesome. Um, has put a car on pole. Sort of, and he's qualified fastest, although he has that lingering penalty from last race when he collided with Bruno Senna, yeah, and uh, so that moves him back five spots, still but gonna... at the end of the session, he was able to put in a faster lap than anyone else with a um around Monaco, which was, you know, not to be ever, you know, no no time ever seen again in the race. Yeah, uh, you know, yep, was... not
0: even close, and I, I must say, I still think his penalty against Senna was a bit silly, but... I'm going to leave it at that. Uh, a good, solid, and a solid tenth and a half quicker than Rosberg. Um, Rosberg's tended to, you know, even with Michael's stronger race performances um, that we've seen in the past, you know, Rosberg's been very quick qualifying. You know, Schumacher was properly quicker than Rosberg, um, faster than Mark Webber by a tenth, and uh, you know, handily beat uh, Lewis Hamilton, moves in fourth. Uh, Romain Grosjean was looking like he had a chance at pole kind of earlier in the Q3 session. He ended up fifth. And then it was the Ferrari, still led by Fernando Alonso, but this time right behind him. Only just, only one-tenth behind. uh, Felipe Massa. So Alonso and Massa were sixth and seventh after qualifying. And uh, so, yeah, it was interesting to see Grosjean handily beat uh, Raikkonen. Raikkonen ended up eighth. And like you mentioned Pastor was ninth, uh, making it to Q three in the Williams. You know who we haven't talked about yet? Sebastian Vettel didn't even bother.
1: Yeah, made it to Q three and then actually, I think he did an installation lap in Q three at the beginning Possibly. of the session, and then but never actually set a lap time. Which and just
0: figured, oh, I'll hold on to the tires and I'll just do my thing. I don't get. I mean, you know, pretty much everyone did one pit stop, right? You know, a couple. No, that's not true. Vern did two, I guess, but you know that doesn't. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the tires were not an issue with wearing out, so I really. I really didn't see what he was trying to gain.
1: Well, I I mean, yeah, it's easy for us to say with hindsight of what the pit strategy was.
0: but Well, that's why I'm saying it, because it's easy
1: with hindsight. Fair enough. Um, But after penalties were awarded, like you say, Schumacher would move from first down to sixth place because he had a five-spot penalty. Pastor Maldonado sinking like a ship had a 10-grid spot penalty for his collision with Perez in the morning. Right. And then was like, oh, well, we're back here. We might as well change the gearbox, getting another five grid spot penalties, which moved him um, to the back and actually uh, behind Perez, who, in addition to being crashed out, also said, oh, we'll change the gearbox as well. So had a five-grid spot penalty. So penalties on top of penalties for Maldonado. So what looked like a good performance in terms of getting through to Q3 marred by the fact that he had these penalties well you know the one for driving which really was his fault um so yeah ultimately senna out qualifying uh his teammate maldonado in terms of where they start for the race yeah and of course where they start for the predictions which made us very very happy because our simple <laughs> statistical <laughs> model damien maldonado is going to be on pole and go on to win the race so um yeah, a bit of a mixed-up situation, but, you know, Mark Webber
0: inheriting the pole, basically, from Schumacher's penalty. And uh and Webber Weber did a good lap. He did a much, much better lap than uh, Sebastian Vettel. In our uh, statistics in the F1 show stats that we do, uh, you know, it shows Webber, you know, beating Vettel by, you know, eight-tenths of a second in qualifying, which is a little bit unfair in some ways, you might say. But in other ways, you might say, no, that's the quickest lap Vettel did. And if he doesn't even bother running Q3, well that there that's the beans yeah so uh you know it, i i really i i understand it. sometimes the tire issue can be an interesting strategy and stuff like that but this one i really felt like in monaco no one was concerned about tire wear and they had the softest softest rubber they could bring and it was still cars were still sliding around so really just a shame that uh vettel didn't go for something and considering We're about to talk about the race, considering Vettel's race pace, he had an opportunity to potentially uh, do really well, and he chose what he chose, but it is what it is. So congratulations to Mark Webber, but I have to say, internally, in my heart, it was really gratifying to see Schumacher be the quickest guy of the day. Noticeably happy about it, you know, and it's, of all the tracks to do, this is one of the toughest, inch perfect, as we've heard several thousand times in our coverage today, uh, But truly, it's brilliant, Ron. He's forty-three years old. All the history that's come with him for him to still lap a car that quickly—it's great. It's really great to see.
1: Yeah, and he said, you know, sort of time for him to pay Mercedes back, or as you sort of want to say, you know, just come good on the investment they've made in him. Uh, So even though, uh, yeah, there was penalties and then the race and everything unfolding, um, just to, to sort of still show that he's got it and say, you know what, I can muscle a car around this crazy track faster than anyone um even in our car which is you know it's it's up there among the top but not uh not far and away the fastest or anything you know it's still just kind of you know get that feather in his cap or is you know kind of get the team back on like hey, you know what this guy's this guy still got it and cannot qualify uh you know everyone uh every once in a while is uh definitely a cool thing but let's talk the race um Luckily, we had a good start from Weber on the pole. That was the, that was the, the fear, right, that he would have <laughs> exactly. some kind of a bogged start. They wouldn't tell him about the second clutch or something. Right. And that cars would go streaming around him, and thankfully, for Weber's sake, that was not the case. Um, but down downfield a little bit, um, <coughs> you know, it, from fourth, fifth,
0: sixth, and thereabouts, it kind of hell broke loose in turn one. Um, French hell broke loose. Uh, poor Romain Grosjean just— uh... He was trying to find space in the track where there wasn't any and uh, ended up running into the front right of Michael Schumacher. Which looked like it took a pretty big wallop. I mean, it did take a pretty big wallop. It looked like it would have been broken and actually was okay.
1: Schumacher was able to, to go on right. uh, it,
0: with his race. He, for, for most of it anyway. And whether whether that ended up being, uh, whether that something related to that accident in the very first lap, finally fatigued and, war, you know, caused him to slow down uh jumping ahead michael schumacher had to exit the race about 10 laps early um but poor Romain, his car got shot sideways on the straightaway before he even got to turn one and uh you know it kind of took out a couple of guys with him uh charles peak uh, noreen carthican sergio perez oh no sorry i'm looking at the wrong list uh so Maldonado, Maldonado. Was, was taken out, and that is Carnage.
1: I think Kobayashi as well. Or no, he was, he was able to go a couple laps, and then, yeah. and then was out. And Pedro De La Rosa, that's, that's right. The, that's, and, yeah, took off his rear wing of, uh, of the right. HRT.
0: So those guys didn't even get a lap in, and uh, their race was done. The biggest race of the year, the crown jewel, the gambling haven, blah, sports, blah, blah. whatever, done uh, right at the beginning. Really, in my opinion, just a racing incident, although I think they did say that the— they the said, incident was going to be investigated. Yeah,
1: it was due to be investigated, and there haven't been yet anything posted. I think we probably would have heard by now if there was anything crazy happening. Hopefully it's not yeah. something that carries on into Canada that then screws up the grid for that, yeah. um, for Grosjean Agreed. or whatever. Because it looks like you know the pace, um, you know the, the Lodi... Um, were looking really good um, for a while in qualifying. And actually, I guess we can mention, you know, at the end of Q two, Massa was on provisional pole position. You no, oh, he that's was true. Like, he was up there as well. Fair so, point. you know, by the time the Q three, everyone, you know, played their their fastest laps and and really came through. Um, they they weren't in the top, but uh, you know, it's it's always a disappointment for Grosjean, especially because he's had so many early exits of so many races this yeah. year um, that uh, you know. I think that's that's going to be our, our next constructor to win. And at this point, we can't say for sure that it's going to be Raikkonen and not Grosjean. I mean, he's really had some good pace and, uh, you know, things really could go his way. So it's really disappointing to see him uh, knocked out right at the very beginning of the race in such a way that uh, there was a safety car, which we actually didn't see. Right, um, they, it was a quick safety car. They went to commercial on speed, and I don't even know if the car got out in front of everyone in time because it was sort it was of a late, of, but a late yeah, call on that. If it just sort of were under safety car rules for a minute and then it happened. But, um, so
0: yeah. Romain Grosjean is the only driver to have completed less than 50% of the laps thus far after six rounds. He's completed 49% of the laps uh, the racing. The next worst is actually Michael Schumacher, who's completed 57%. So, yeah, Romain has had a tough go. So far this season, not, I would say, at least a fair bit of it, not really his fault.
1: Yeah. Um, so the opening third, we'll say, of the race ended up being, after that little shamazel and safety car or whatever, not a whole lot going on. We saw some attrition at the back. We saw Petrov's car die and a couple of things. But, um, it was a very
0: fast parade. I mean, you really can't call it anything else. There was the passing on track, we have to say. Um, the entire race was not good right there, there was a very little couple
1: of moves by perez did move up a couple of places i think several times it was like in you know he straight line a chicane and had to give it back and then yeah. kind of made his way back around like there's a couple of sort of squirrely things but looking at the lap chart it's pretty well horizontal up until pit stops and then even then doesn't change doesn't mix around yeah. all that much. i mean it was
0: mostly i mean for example the uh alonzo was able to get ahead of Lewis hamilton well that happened in the pits Yep. you know lewis hamilton was third after the opening lap and stayed there until the pit and uh, alonzo was able to jump him so those are the type of things that happened um so the racing itself uh wasn't terribly exciting in the open third it's monaco so it's still very interesting just you know the cars lapping the track itself is quite entertaining to watch more so than other tracks so the fact that there wasn't as much passing didn't necessarily mean the race wasn't any good, but it, it wasn't the most exciting Monaco we've seen. And it's a little bit surprising because, you know, even even with Kurs and Durs and Turs, you know, you'd think there'd be a couple attempts here and there. But I, the other thing, too, I mean, we could see it in qualifying. The cars were quite closely matched as well. So, you know, there wasn't, you know, it wasn't like, uh, for example, Jensen Button was 14th. On the grid, and his car was two seconds a lap faster than the guy in front of him. It just wasn't, maybe it was a half a second faster. Yeah, he a lap was and, behind
1: Line and virtually the whole race. Yeah, so. Um, and so the big threat, the big excitement was looking like this rain. Yes. That there was forecast and by various teams, oh, it's going to be here in five minutes. No, it's going to be here in ten minutes. No, it's not going to rain. And what ended up happening were just a little bit of sprinkles and enough to kind of keep things, you know, spicy, if you will, but not enough to switch on to inter- intermediate tires or kind of get us into that whole wet-dry mode of who wants, you know, gamble and stay out and who wants to gamble and pit now and pit later and, all, you know, that whole side of it. Uh, so what we did see was Vettel staying out on his first set of tires for over half the race. Uh, and so he started on the harder tires on right. the soft instead of the super softs, And he made them
0: last quite a long time.
1: Yeah, up to, it looks like a lap, about 45 or something out of, out of right. 73. Um, 78. 78, sorry. And... Uh, so he was able to just really hold on to those tires, and then what what would have been great for him if it had started raining, everyone else had already done a pit stop he would have been able to just do his one and and that would have been he's on inters and, and go from there um so sort of you know various people throughout the field praying for rain, various people praying for not not rain and uh um, ended up being sort of not enough rain to matter uh, The only gamble that was taken uh ultimately was was Jean eric Verne right or was it Ricardo s d r yep um When there was just a little bit of sprinkles, and it turns out it wasn't just a a strategy call, but his tires were running out, and they said, okay, we're coming into the pits, let's gamble and say it's going to rain, and go on to intermediate tires, and if it had rained at that point, he would have been in brilliant shape when everyone else has to pull in and pit behind him, but it didn't, so it ended up uh, not going his way, but that was the only use of intermediate tires we saw, ultimately it was still dry enough to consider dry running, so uh, Vettel did have to pit, which moved him back to fourth, which is where he went on to finish, but Um, The top runners, um, except for those that didn't make it and and Vettel moving up into into place there, um, really finished where they started, where we had Mark Webber winning for the second time in Monaco.
0: Which was, I mean, and not to undermine what he did. He he achieved a fabulous result. He had a very quick qualifying time. And definitely when that rain came in, you know, that light sprinkle, it was enough to— you know, make people a little bit nervous, take away a little bit of grip, make the car slide around a little bit more. And that had the effect of really bunching up the front of the field. So here you go in lap 50 of the race. All of a sudden, you have Nico Rosberg, you're Mark Weber, you have Nico Rosberg uh, breathing down your neck. And Alonzo's breathing down his, Vettel's breathing down his, Hamilton's breathing down there. Everyone's right on top of so other. a lot of
1: neck breathing.
0: Going Lots on of here. neck breathing. Is- and And you have lap traffic to deal with. And the track might be getting more damp. Is there grip there? Isn't there? The, that's the hardest part when you're racing isn't when it's raining or when it's dry. It's those transitional periods because the grip's going to be different than it was a lap ago. And how by how much, you're not sure, right? So you have to, you literally, it's not even just feel. You have to literally guess just a little bit on the amount of grip you're going to have. And it, it's tough. I, I always struggled with that myself. So lots of credit is deserved for mark for not not i mean he never put a wheel wrong you know, There was not any mistakes there wasn't even like oh mark slid wide and nico try this none of that he 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 drove a very solid race it was very impressive
1: yeah and at the end nico Rosberg was only six tenths behind mark weber alonzo nine uh, nine tenths uh behind the leader uh you know vettel 1.3 seconds back and then a little bit of a gap a couple seconds to lewis hamilton and felipe but uh you know the top 6 yeah covered by 6 seconds at the yeah. at the end of the race right exactly is, you know not unheard of but uh pretty wild to see them you know how close they were on track and all these you know world champions and everything uh right there and uh you know mark weber able to hold them off so you know you're kind of joking about during the race is it was it sort of yeah it's just a parade and they're all just staying where they are but what they're doing to stay where they are is right. the amazing thing that right. it'd just be so easy to just slide a little bit on, on an unknown surface or just get a little bit wide or a little bit where you give any one of those guys an inch to, uh, to, to get, a, get a nose in there and start a run or, or whatever, or if you just you know knock your wheel loose and then you're, you know, you're, you're screwed. Um, so just staying that close together for that long at this track is really the impressive feat there.
0: Absolutely, and it was a great race for us to watch. Um, I, I have to say uh, I was most disappointed in Jensen Button, uh, I don't know what's going on with him, but just to be behind Gova line and not be able to get around—that's so frustrating to watch. Hopefully, they can get to the bottom of that problem. You know, maybe there's something like inherently tweaked with his tub, with the chassis that you know he just needs to get that sorted out. Maybe he just needs to get his head in the right place. I don't know. Yeah,
1: well, he ended the race with a puncture with eight laps to go and ended up just retiring after that. Um, you know, apparently caused some other problems on the car. And so he's classified as 16th, uh, 16th place and eight laps down, which is a pretty big disappointment
0: for, for Jensen. And that was because he was racing with Sergio Perez back and forth. He ended up, he ended up spinning and got a puncture in the middle of yep. the spin or something like that. And Perez was being very aggressive. It was very, very hard to pass. And Perez was cre- clearly desperate to try to do so. Um, but it didn't work out. But Vettel's performance was just, just lackluster and frustrating. How much of that was really his fault? Yep what I say? I said Vettel. Button. Yeah. Button. Um, the person that I felt the most sorry for, the that had the like least fair rate, I, Michael, I'm telling you, he might have, he might be having the worst luck this season. You make your own luck to a certain extent, but man, to have such a great day on Saturday and have the race unfold the way it did for him, you know, he started sixth, he had a good run, he was looking for room, and, you know, he was just, he was just trying to find room and just... Him and Grosjean couldn't occupy the same space at the same time. It's just race and incident, as far as I'm concerned. But he was able to continue and was running, what, 8th eight or ninth,
1: something like that. Yeah, 8th, um, you know, cycle through the pits and all that. Um, then, with, uh, what, 15 laps to go... Um, just just start en- slowing, slowing down. Just started slowing down. And it uh, ends up being a fuel pressure problem. Right, that I saw was, that. was what they listed it as for the retirement. But, uh, yeah, lost a couple spots and then, you know, pulled it in and parked it. And, uh, yeah, that was day done. So, after... You know he was you know being interviewed on Thursday and said you know what I'm gonna do I'm gonna qualify on pole and I'm gonna yeah, I have my penalty but whatever and I'm gonna come back I'm gonna win this thing and it's gonna be great and then after Saturday he was like oh no Kirby, no kidding he qualified it on pole there you like, go yeah exactly. Schumacher of all people and then uh, yeah to see his race end um, where you know where is he classified as fifteenth or something or? Uh,
0: no lower than that
1: oh where is he that's qualifying
0: <laughs> yeah uh,
1: it, yeah seventeenth nineteenth yeah it's bad. It's,
0: and, <laughs> it's bad. It, it is. It's bad. Whatever it is, it's bad. So, yeah. 19th. I, I truly think that he's had really crummy luck, and I, I hope that it turns around for him. Love to see him get a race win. That'd be fantastic. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I certainly hope him improved luck for Montreal. Um, what's really interesting about the way the season's unfolded is that Fernando Alonso is leading the championship right now. Yeah. Like, go figure. How does that work? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it, that car, you know, he won in the second round. I'm pretty sure China, was not China or Malaysia. He won one of those rounds. It was the one where Sergio was second and, you know, it was kind of wet but drying and everything else. Do you remember that? Yeah, that was Malaysia. Malaysia. So he won in Malaysia. You're like, okay, but they still said the car's not quick, everything going on. But he just, you know, he just keeps plugging along, keeps scoring these solid points finishes, and lo and behold, after six rounds, seventy six points, he's in the lead with uh, three points over a second place tie between uh, Vettel and Mark Webber. Um, they give the edge to Vettel, but <laughs> essentially, especially this early in the championship, they're tied with seventy three points, and then another ten back. So Lewis Hamilton's now fourth in the championship with sixty three. So, you know, that's kind of crazy to me.
1: Yeah. That so what they've said is consistency is what matters. I mean, yes there's going to be craziness with the tires and all right. that. And if anything in terms of, you know, the news since the last show um has been there's been a lot of back and forth about t- the Pirelli tires and right. Pirelli saying, "Well, if you if you guys ask for a Q3 only tire, we're happy to provide them." That that's not a Pirelli call. That's a, you know, FOM, it's a FIA call to say, "Do we want to have do we want to change the rules to make you know special qualifying tires and but just Pirelli is being like just to make it clear it's not that we won't sell you these tires it's just that that's the way the rules are set up that you right. guys use the tires you qualify on and right. blah, blah blah um and then there's you know Schumacher has said all oh, the tires are crap and it's no good and it's no grip and then you know somebody like Pastor Maldonado especially with his with his race win are saying oh what you know it's cool now that it's really about driving it's not just about the cars and it's not that everybody has the same max grip but it's interesting but it um, is
0: it is tough right because how much uh, how much is it like the car is fundamentally better and how much is it like for whatever reason these tires are so freaking finicky that your chassis the amount of because every chassis puts more or less wear on a tire and it's like wh- how much wear your car puts on a tire given the temperatures and the track friction and everything else is the best combination yeah the, and that. Like, 90% of that is dependent on the freaking weather. Like, that that's the part that's a little bit crazy and a little bit hard for me. It's like, God, why do these tires have to be so sensitive? Yeah. But at the same time, I mean, obviously that's also played a big part in the season being so unpredictable, which is exciting. So.
1: Yeah, and McLaren and Martin Whitmarsh have come back and said, oh, no, the, the tires are, are fine. We all have the same tires, and it's not Pirelli's fault. You know, they, we asked them to make it interesting you know that as a, as an organization that was right. part of the goal was to not just have uh you know these races that are kind of parades and see how people treat tires differently and so on and that's what they've delivered so uh you know there's there's been a little bit of back and forth on that but I think I'm I'm with you that ultimately um I I would be frustrated if I were sebastian vettel and i think okay i've got one of the best cars i've proven myself as a really good driver i'm able to hold on to it but now it's just this kind of freaking lottery or if i'm fernando alonso i'm like hey this is great because it's mixing things up and it's giving us a chance and he's one of those guys that's able to just get the maximum out of whatever he's put in right
0: and and that's i completely agree because that's what i was going to kind of say is i do think ultimately this does put a little bit more of the result on the driver to really be able to say, okay, for whatever reason my car is or isn't working under these conditions, what do I do to keep the – like, for example, a couple races back when Kimi's tires totally went away from him with two laps to go. Mm-hmm. And he went from, what, second to 14th in, like, four laps. Yeah. Just crazy. It's China, yeah. So to keep – to as a driver, you have to be the one to keep that from happening ultimately. Yeah. And – and you know, but
1: I guess this the team strategy call oh, to say, okay, absolutely. here's what
0: it's looking, here's the times, and who knows
1: if he said, I want to change the tires, and the team goes,
0: no, then that's not the driver's fault. But. Well, okay, but okay, it's but the, it's it's less about our car is the fastest car, so it's a little bit more of a check the box now go. Yeah, it's and it's a lot more of a real time decision making thing, and ultimately, you know, the team can tell Kimi this, but Kimi's the one that made the decision to go through this corner, this quickly, yeah. break this hard, attempt to lock the brakes up or not, or whatever. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that part of it is, it is good, and I think that's where you see a driver like Alonzo who kind of is, he's might he may not be the, the absolute fastest raw talent. He might not have the absolute best strategy all the time, but he is solid with everything. He's very well-rounded and very good at everything, and I think that might be part of the reason why He's squeaking out a lead, even in a car that I think most everyone would agree isn't the quickest.
1: Right, and it's interesting though because at what point do you do we stop saying, okay, well this Ferrari is terrible, but he's magical in it, and it's like, well maybe the Ferrari's okay. I mean, he's leading the championship with it, and, and he's again, got his win, and it's like he
0: holds it, you know, right in there within tenths of everyone else. And one of the reasons why that's so hard to judge is because up until Monaco, Massa's been back in the freaking weeds. Yeah, you know, you know. Out in Q one or definitely Q two. I mean, Monaco was the first time that uh, Massa got into Q three this yeah. season, and he right. didn't out qualify Alonso, but he was close. We'll give him the credit for that. And everyone was happy for him, yeah. right? Everyone was happy so for him because he Masa. got close. Look at exactly. him go! Look at him. So that's why it's been so hard to gauge the the uh, the car. You know, like with all the other cars, like Romain, like the Lotus, for example. Sometimes Kimi's fast, sometimes remains quick, but they're all they're kind of in a pocket, and you can gotta kind of get a sense for okay where's the Lotus performance. But you know with the Ferrari it's been difficult. So if if Felipe can continue to, um, it, maybe he just needed that nudge, and maybe he sorted something out. And you know uh, Massa has also said that the car has gotten more comfortable for him after the uh, test in Spain um, in May. So you know, maybe that's, maybe that's legit. So uh, maybe we'll be able to get a better gauge of where is the Ferrari sitting amongst the competitors.
1: And of course, that's also a moving target with upgrades and with everything else going on, of course. Uh, So this obviously has wrapped up the Monaco weekend. Um, We've got Canada in two weeks time, which is always a fun track. It's cool. It's on our time zone. It's an evening race for those in Europe and whatnot. And, uh, you know, that's you know, at, at one point you know, we've been talking about kind of like well when we get into the real meat of the season, then things will change and whatever. And I guess maybe that's after Canada, then you've got you've got Valencia and then uh, England at Silverstone. Valencia. And then Germany not and be the meat
0: of the season. Hungary and Valencia Spa. is gristle. Well but Valencia the, is the season's okay grimy gristle. But okay? it's it's
1: a typical and that it's like there's not any weird like it's not it's not the crazy like oh it's monaco so things don't count it's like well it's a race and there's not a lot of passing because it's a street circuit but there's drs now so whatever but that's your bag that's gristle like, it's the okay schedule wise it's all these european rounds in the middle of the summer with uh you know spain england germany you know, like, hungary belgium and you have italy
0: you barbecuing especially if you're using a charcoal grill and you have the grit and then there's always that like hunk of burger or a hunk of steak that like slips through the grate and then starts cooking directly on the charcoal and gets all like super charred and gnarly looking. Valencia. Valencia is a super so, so charted, are, gnarly looking. So, it is not the meat so of So you season. are a
1: fan of Valencia or you're not? I'm, I'm having a trouble. You know, I really dig that bridge. Understanding. It's a lovely bridge. It's cool that it it's goes a, over water. It I goes mean, over water. <laughs> it's like, wow, look. Once This, this, this thing goes
0: over water. <laughs> How do I do that? I don't care. Well, it is cool that there's 37,000 corners and only three miles. That's also neat. And the other good news is that they all look the same. <laughs> exactly. So it's like, what corner am I on? Oh, it doesn't matter. I'm either at 1 or I'm at 27. Whatever. I don't know. <laughs> Canada I'm looking forward to, it, though. Canada is fun. Canada is always fun. It's, it's like a drag race. Uh, it's a drag race with a couple of chicanes in. you got got Wall
1: of Champions in there. You know, oh, A couple yeah. of the, chicane. No. a couple of people get wrong. Canada always
0: exciting. And, you know, again, tires, again, are going to be an extremely... Canada like Canada is kind of like the genesis of the whole like oh races can be exciting because of tires so like you know cuz that's what happened a couple of years back exactly. and they like we, it needs to be more like Canada so um we'll see how Canada Canada is and uh I'm 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 yeah you're right it's always an exciting race to watch and I'm definitely looking forward to it
1: should be good should be good times um we've got another exciting feature before we move on to listener feedback. Oh, God. We've got our man it's, in the
0: field. It is really something. I did not do terribly, by the way, we'll, Mr. We'll, Mister Kilt. We will talk about this. I'm, I'm just saying. So
1: um, I would say that we sent our man to the field. But no, our man has just been out in that <laughs> was, field that for a long time.
0: It was... <laughs> No, you are lost for words. I'm telling you. Oh, that was unique. He is just, like, fearless, right? Like, I don't think I could do what he did. So, Craig the Kilt Wilson
1: uh, is, at, is in attendance at the Monaco Grand Prix. Our hero. Um, and has brought his trusty tape recorder, and by that I mean, like, iPhone with a microphone situation on it, and his F1 show banner and his... Um, plethora
0: sen- of business cards.
1: Yes, and his, his sense of... Fearlessness to talk to drivers and really ask
2: them the important question. Hi Bernie, do you listen to the F1 Show podcast? Do I what? Do you listen to the F1 Show podcast? I don't at the moment. Just a moment, just a moment, just a moment. <laughs> Bruno. Do you listen to the F1 Show podcast? Sorry, do you listen to the F1 Show podcast? Uh, I haven't heard of it yet, but it's maybe I will now. It's quality. Sure. <laughs> Thank you, Daniel. Do you, do you listen to the F1 Show podcast? Uh, to be honest, mate, I don't. Oh, you should! It's very, very good. <laughs> I don't really read any any magazines or oh, get involved. It's a podcast. You just oh, yeah. you just listen to it. There's there's too much Formula One on the weekend. I'm, <laughs> I'm over it by Monday. <laughs> thank you, thank you. No, thanks. <laughs> Pastor, do you listen to the F1 Show podcast? You. Yeah. You do. My goodness, is it? What do you think of the two American presenters? Ah, oh, it's nice. Are they Sometimes good? I, yeah. Sometimes. <laughs> Johnny, I've got to ask you. No. F1 show. No. That you do on Sky. Yes. The original is the American podcast, the F1 show. So, no, you've lost me now. Say that again. The original. You've stolen didn't you? You've stolen the name. They're disgusted with you.
0: Do you need to talk to someone else. Uh,
2: Johnny, <laughs> do you listen to the F1 show podcast? Yes, of course. Do you? Do you think it's growing? <laughs> uh, I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. There you go. Have a listen to. It, you'll probably be on it now. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. You'll probably be on it now. Yeah. Good. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Hi Sergio. Do you like my T-shirt? <laughs> ah. Is it good? Nice one. So did you steal Robin Warner's ride from the F1 show? Sorry. Did you steal his F1 F1 ride? Everyone. He used he used to race with you back in the day. Ah yeah. And uh, you've you've done very well and he's done terribly. Who who is this? Robin Warner. Robin. I don't know. He was uh, from uh, Karting, apparently. We've got where where? If you listen to the podcast,
1: <laughs>
2: there's a podcast. So it, American guys that do a podcast and we do some stuff for them. I don't know him in karting. Yeah, so you, you'll need to listen to it. <laughs> it's, it's very good. To anyone that Craig the Kilt talked
0: to, we have no intention of suing anybody. We are friendly people. <laughs> Do not sue us. We will not sue. No suing. And for a factual uh,
1: quick fact check, it was not in karting. Where uh, you and Sergio Perez were were, uh,
0: racing each other and and were, uh, you know, where you beat him, we might add. Where I was quicker. No, it was in the US of A Skip Barber Racing Series. Uh, Sergio was racing in the Midwest Championship, and I was racing the National Championship. And when the two series met each other, Sergio also raced in the National Championship. And that was 2004. And I remember this a lot more than he does because he continued to race many other race series after that. I raced some after that, but not as much. And to be fair, he was a little
1: bit on the spot with a Scottish man with a microphone in his face telling him yes. it was karting and with no mention of the country
0: in which this <laughs> happened. So, fair enough. And also, he was 14 at the time.
1: Yeah, although, I mean, it does, it does remind me. I, you know, I, I wanted to get my cup of tea. <laughs> um, that, that, and I, was, <laughs> I just, you know, I've got this mug oh, here God. that, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's just such a great mug.
0: It's lovely. Would you like to tell tell our listeners what uh, what the mug says? I think it says Hold on. I I don't speak Spanish, but I think it says I'm Sergio Perez and I stole Robin's ride.
1: More or less. Viva Perez. Uh. Oh, the Perez mug <laughs> has found its way to your hands, my friend. You've seen it on the internet. You have seen it on Skype. Yes. It is now in your possession and uh yeah, so you know, for if you ever just Feeling low and just go yeah. to get a cup of tea, then.
0: Whenever the tea is particularly bitter. You'll just you'll see that And you'll think Damn that guy <laughs> Wow Why couldn't he ever Let me cart with him But On the on the, on the the other
1: side um, You know Pastor Maldonado It's great to hear That you're a listener Thanks for listening I hope you <laughs> yes. enjoyed the show
0: Yes exactly What up Pastor We think you're great
1: And all the other people That said that they Would be checking us out You know Bernie Ecclestone Hi um, yeah. Thanks for Thanks for tuning in and, The Sky um,
0: Broadcast Which we're not suing And
1: we're not suing And please don't sue us
0: Please don't sue you know, us
1: in, uh, in return It'll just be a nice Friendly thing
0: It's a good You know We'll get the uh, the, you know, the two winks in the gun. Right. So, anyway, uh, that is our piece. It is time to hear from you guys. Listener feedback.
1: Yes, it is listener feedback, and we have a variety of feedback stemming out of the fact that our man Craig the Kilt Wilson was able to get a, uh, the F1 show banner on BBC coverage. Yes, he was. Apparently, he's very, very persistent about this, and uh, we've got many messages, <laughs> several coming in through Twitter, saying, "Oh man, I see your banner. That's cool," and blah blah blah.
0: And uh, uh, I think also, real quick, want to say you know, you know again, uh, his efforts are a bit unorthodox but we do highly appreciate his enthusiasm and his willingness to you know promote the show the way he does so that is very appreciated
1: yes um so we got a comment which first we didn't understand uh because we didn't know uh what the context was but uh somebody uh let me pull up my uh my page here oh yeah so jamie uh writing in on the on f1show.com says idiots ruining the bbc coverage which, first of all, I don't know if he means that the F1 show, the Sky F1 show, or if he means us, or he means Craig with the banner, or whatever. Right. Um, I don't imagine that having a banner ruins coverage, but... Um, Especially
0: not when it's in the background.
1: But, hey, you know, that's his opinion, and someone says it's a master class and unprofessional, as Adrian followed up to that. So, um, again, I, you know, it's... Uh, Craig is not a professional broadcaster and we are not uh the like mean, you know, sky rival to uh BBC as in the you know, the other F one show. I think that's there's some confusion on that. Right. Um but he's our just enthusiastic fan and uh you know, weaseling his way in where he can and, and getting the word out. And uh, I think it's you know, it's it's all in fun and uh hopefully we're not ruining anyone's day or uh getting right. sued by the BBC
0: at this point. But <laughs> um again, yeah, if you think if you think that the F1 show by Sky was trying to advertise in BBC's coverage, we would also agree. Wow, that that's that's not the classiest move. That was not the case.
1: We're just a ragtag bunch of guys from exactly. America trying to
0: yes, and we also get our word out there. We were also not you know we were not on any kind of specific campaign to try to do one thing or the other. We just have fans. That's right.
1: all. So uh, yeah, we apologize if we uh, messed up anyone's day, uh, but. You know, I think uh, overall, you know, hopefully people <clears> are tuning in and finding us and
0: enjoying what they hear and that it's uh, it's all good and it's all in fun. To that end, we also got an email uh, from Michael Bundock who said commentators are not thinking because uh, they cut off the – they were showing Formula One on Sky, the F1 show, and uh, told the scores of the football match – during the F1 show, as an aside, and he had taped the F- the soccer match, sorry, the football match, to watch. So we ruined it for him because we have the same name as the Sky Broadcast, which gave the football scores. Which um, brings me to a message we got on the customer support email from warnermotorsports.com.
1: Which is, of course, the <laughs> which... provider of official <laughs> F1 show apparel and decals and whatnot. <laughs> but also it has nothing to do with sky sports or the sky f1 show
0: somehow uh we got uh ian uh, got there and decided that was the best place to say hey your server can't co- cope with the amount of interest when you have someone following dc eddie and jake on the bbc red button surface not good eh it's like i have no idea what you're talking about <laughs> <laughs> Still a little. We're still working through uh, the the edges. There's still still some confusion. The F1 show confusion. Right. This hasn't been
1: confusion for a long time because we were the only F1 show in town. But now there's there's you know people that like and dislike the other F1 show (laughs) that are finding their way to us and they're finding their way to Warner Motorsports and now there's cross pollination with BBC and people searching for us and whatnot. So it's all a lot of confusion. But hopefully anyone who's uh, who's hearing us has found our podcast and uh, hopefully enjoys it and. Has a good time.
0: We also got a, um, a trivia question, which we haven't actually done trivia in a little while. But I'm going to give you the question, and I'm going to give you the answer right off the bat, because we haven't done it in a while, but it was cool that someone sent it to us. So this one was from Sean Smith, and the question was, who was the least successful driver in terms of most races without scoring a point? All right, going to pause. Dramatic pause. Think. Nick Heidfeld. Tick, tick, tick. Tick, tick, oh, without scoring tick. a point. Without oh. scoring a point. Oh, like it's a no win. The yeah. answer is Luca Badur. Oh! Ooh. Never scored a point uh, driving for Ferrari uh, while uh, Felipe Massa was out with a spring in his head. So um, that was the answer. We We have not confirmed that independently, but seems reasonable enough. I don't know how many races Luca was in the car, but it was... There's a few, and he definitely didn't score any points.
1: I feel like Narain Karthikeyan or somebody, I mean, maybe he scored a point somewhere in, the, in Force India or something. That's, like, but there's yeah, somebody in, 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 in there. Past, one of right. these
0: new, new guys, but yeah, anyway. So anyway, that was a tribute. That was also, and then finally, we got someone from, we got an F1 show um, comment that we think was actually meant for us. <laughs> Here's hoping. <laughs> from Luke Hudson, who said, love the podcast, guys, really enjoy listening. Keep up the great work. And then we got an animated thumbs up. He is from Melbourne, Australia.
1: So, thank you for that. And uh, just, you know, sending in notes. So, to, uh, I, you know, we don't even mention it now. There's the whole community on Facebook, on facebook.com slash F1 show. Uh, there's like 1,200 plus people that uh, you know like the show, get our updates on their Facebook news feed, and there's always lively discussions and people posting videos and photos and links and all kinds of fun stuff in there. So if you don't already, uh, you should like us on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter as well. We're at the F1 Show, and the hub for everything really is F1Show.com, where you can leave comments right on the uh, on the page there, or you can send us an email to feedback at F1Show.com, and we'd like to know what you think of our show. Um, if you want to tell us what you think about the other F1 show, that's okay, too. Although we don't okay. actually but have we, a way of watching that show, right. so
0: we don't really know what it's like. I mean, and, and to that end, every time you say that F1 show you know, is awful, if you think so, we totally encourage you not watching anymore because there's nothing we can do about it. Um, also, uh, this is something that's a little bit new, and we're slowly but surely building coverage. We have a brand new video on our YouTube channel which was F1show.com, and that's F1show, D-O-T, com, all one word. And uh, we have a brand-new video we posted a few hours ago um, that is a little bit more on the uh, new uh, new Port Imperial Street Circuit coming up in 2013,
1: June, in New Jersey. Yeah, the kind of some stuff we filmed at the same time as our original uh, track uh, track drive video which if you haven't seen that was, was very popular and a lot of people like that where we drive around what's going to be the uh, new jersey grand prix uh, street circuit and uh, this is a little more analysis and a little more description of what's going on and you know some more shots of what the area looks like so it should be pretty cool and uh, you can also just find that right on f1show.com as well we've got links pointed every which way and uh, hope you dig it from there but we have Some fun stuff to do today and predictions. I'm feeling good about it. Yeah,
0: this one I'm okay with.
1: Because, (laughs) yeah, we'll talk about it. Predictions, yeah. Let's do it. Let's just do it.
0: Yes, predictions. It's time. Normally, recently, this has been kind of trying times for Jim and I. just hasn't been working out the way we'd want it to. This time, however, things weren't quite so pear-shaped. Um, and we're going to start with what we predicted for Monaco. Jim, you were deciding to be outside the box just a little bit. Unfortunately, you weren't using your brain.
2: I was
1: you, okay. You, you picked- I thought Raikkonen was going to go on um, pole position and go on to win the race. Yeah, he didn't do that. Well, though. if he had been on a pole, he probably would have gone on to win the race. I okay, think I could what, say that. What
0: you didn't realize is that he was way too caught up in the fact that Lincoln Park was there and that he wanted to be like James Hunt and – you no, know, he wasn't he didn't have his eye on the ball. In fact, you know, is there a sp- ball involved? Oh, yeah. Oh. oh, yeah. Well, I didn't realize that. Yeah. That's my fault. So you had him for uh, on pole position on pole position and to win the race. Did not do that. He ended up being on the grid in 8th and he ended up finishing the race in ninth. So you scored 7 points and 8 points respectively with 15 points. That's kind of a lot of points. I was much smarter than you. Uh, of course, usually Uh, that's the case, picking Sebastian Vettel to be both on pole and to win the race. Unfortunate for me, I didn't realize Sebastian Vettel was going to go out for coffee during Q3 instead of doing his job. So he didn't even put a time in in Q3 with uh, all the uh, things that went down with penalties, stuff like that. He ended up ninth on the grid. Um, He did finish the race fourth, like we talked about. Fairly strong result for him giving me uh, 11 points in total. Oh, you gained a bunch on me. I gained four whole points on you, but neither of us have to worry. In the
1: overall scheme of things Because we
0: can bask in the glory that is crushing Damien, our statistical model. Right, so
1: Damien, being a simple statistical model, thinks whoever was on pole last time is going to be on pole again. Who was that? Oh, that was Pastor Maldonado. <laughs> whoever <laughs> won the race last time, again, Pastor Maldonado, will oh, win again so this time. glorious. So, so when, when I first saw that there was gonna be a ten grid spot penalty for Pastor Maldonado and he qualified, you know, ninth, I was like all right, that's 19th, that's, that's, that's pretty far good. back. And then he changed his gearbox and so he moved to dead last and it was maximum points for qualifying And then when he was taken out of the race, he was actually just second to last because Romain Grosjean was taken out slightly before him. He was able to get
0: officially classified. Kind of
1: like another couple corners before his car was totally broken and had to be airlifted off of the track. So it was almost maximum points for Damien's statistical model, which makes us very, very happy because we gained a lot of points on him.
0: Absolutely. Almost maximum points is 45 points out of 46 possible. So... What is the most amazing thing about it is that one result takes Damien out of the lead and puts him last among the three of us. I am now in the lead, believe it or not, with 88 points. You are one point behind me with 89, mm-hmm. and the statistical model, Damien, is a whole 10 points behind you with 99 points, which proves yet again what we say over and over. keep, Even if you missed a race, keep predicting Keep using uh, the Prediction Studs awesome model on Facebook because the results can change and go crazy on you.
1: Yes, and because that is all part of the Facebook page, I can, uh, you know, I'm happy to report we are now, we're in the top 30, you and I.
0: Nice. Um,
1: you are in 28th place overall. Um, there's a lot of people. I got, I guess, a big shout out to the top five Reese Milford, Stuart Mitchell, Darren Bowden, uh, Matthew Oxley, David McCullough. Um, and then actually, prediction stud himself and Neil Popham uh, and Cliff Cottle uh, are just behind him, actually tied for fifth place. So it's a really oh, tight wow. battle up in the uh, in the predictions uh, situation. But yeah, Reese Milford, wow, 32 points, and we've got you know 88 and 89. He's doing quite well. And you have to go to page two to find Damien, the statistical model, who's got 99 points now from predicting. So Damien says. That for Canada, that Weber's going to be on pole and Weber's going to win the race. Yes, which, which is, is probably, probably it's a, a safer bet than Maldonado. Than last probably, time. but Maybe. it's Canada and it's 2012 and it's Pirelli and who the heck knows? Who
0: the heck knows? It could know. be Maldonado again. You know? I know. Tell me.
1: It's 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 Hamill time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, I gotta compose myself. I knocked you off your rocker. No, on that my one. rocker. You were like put on a rocker and I was, you knocked off of I'm it. Losing. Lewis Hamilton. It's, yes, it's
1: it's it's his time. Not that that is what's going to get him the race, but he's he's been very very good at Canada. He had his first win there. He is you know last year, um, or year before. Yeah, when I was there in person, was was the whole original Pirelli craziness. Yeah, uh-huh. last year we had the you know all the the four hours of Canada and the whole deal. It was it was all different, but. Uh, it's, that's what's going to happen. It's going to be Hamilton. It's going to be on pole position. He's going to go on to win the race. I have, I'm not thinking that someone else is going to pass him during the race. That
0: is incredible. Good for you. Yep. I disagree.
1: Of course. Of course. Well, not of course. We've, we've agreed several times, but
0: what you're failing to see is the fact that Nico Hulkenberg is got the same first name as Nico Rosberg, who is going to do very, very well. He was very strong in Monaco. And I think he's going to carry that forward and put his car on pole position once again. This track is all about straight line speed. The Mercedes has the super-duper front-rear jersey super thing. super Um However, I'm going to go a little crazy here and say Sebastian Vettel. I thought you were going to say Massa. That would have been crazy.
1: <laughs> that would be crazy.
0: Sebastian Vettel is going to win the race. I am I'm breaking teams. I'm breaking the whole thing. I'm splitting it up because I am brilliant. There it is. That actually went kind of fast. Yeah, man. Well, we were both hey, con- I, I, you know, I,
1: I've been looking at this prediction thing, just basically out of the morbid glory of beating Damien by so much, that uh, <laughs> I was looking into it, and I was like, you know what? I think, I think Hamilton's
0: going to come together right? like, for him. But here's the thing, it's also so much more of a crapshoot than it used to be. We could be Definitely. totally wrong.
1: That's, that's true. Cause, and so last year, the predicting model was amazing, because it was like, oh, Vettel, 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 right, Vettel, right. and only one time in Abu Dhabi, when Vettel was out in turn one, did they the, the, the get any points? But that was even in the race, and it was qualifying on pole. So it was, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a much, much, much wider field at this point, and that's all part of the fun, except I'm going to you know, get zero points, and you're going to get like a million because Nico Rosberg is going to get penalties
0: and qualify last. He's going to and... get penalties for being awesome and being on pole yeah, and or winning for, the race. or
1: for cutting off people and changing gearboxes and whatnot. I mean, Lewis if
0: Lewis it... Hamilton is going to have his meltdown in Canada. <laughs> He's going to, like, freak out and just run into Masa ten times, getting every penalty possible. Wait, he
1: does do that sometimes, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> oh well oh well it's too late now it's on the, it's on the computer yes. you can't so, do anything now
1: so we will be back in two weeks time with coverage from the Canadian Grand Prix and we'll will... both
0: be in the same place again
1: I think so wow as it sits now that's which, fantastic subject to change yeah but uh, should be good and uh, in the meantime definitely keep up with us on Facebook and Twitter and whatnot, and uh, visit F1show.com and while you're there click on the t-shirt icon to uh, get this super sweet F1show apparel from Warner Motorsports and uh, in the meantime thanks for listening I am Jim Lau.
0: And I am Robin Warner. Keep it safe. Keep it fast.